Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Student Startup Experience. I'm your host, Trevor Williams, and I have Gabe with me again today. You know, being a part of this podcast, you know, second episode, a lot of excitement. And I want to go to Gabe. Gabe, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday morning? Um, I'm having a great Tuesday morning. I'm excited. The Buckeyes won the Big Ten Championship. Um, just having a, a great, had a great weekend celebrating, uh, enjoying this week. It's sunny where I am, uh, but you know what? Uh, I can't wait to get this uh, this second episode started. I couldn't agree more with you. You know, great win for the Ohio State Buckeyes taking care of business and getting their bid in the college football playoffs. I guess you can say they're facing their arch rival in Clemson. You know, it's heated rivalry at this point in time, and a lot of things are being said between the two schools, but it's going to be a, a classic showdown. I hope it lives up to expectation. I hope the Buckeyes end up pulling this one out to, you know, make this more of a heated rivalry as the years go by. But let's us go into the first topic of the day. Some of our structures, we're going to look at some of the news articles that have appeared in the past week. So I'll let Gabe introduce the first one. And I believe it's that Bill Gates got some Bitcoins for his, as a birthday present. Gabe, do you want to go give like a brief summary of that article? Yeah, sure. It's just a, a brief article that I that was uh, kind of interesting uh, that Bill Gates had once gotten Bitcoin as a as a birthday gift, and I, I just wanted to just you know talk real quick, talk about Bitcoin, talk about it, you know its overall success. You know, there's still a lot of high hopes for for Bitcoin um, and all the virtual currencies that are out there right now, and um, I, I just wanted to you know, just bring it up in the podcast, talk to you, talk to you about it. Um, and, you know, share thoughts about Bitcoin, you know, how we would feel if, if someone had given us Bitcoin as a, as a birthday present. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you start off first, you know, what would be, uh, what are your thoughts on the overall success of Bitcoin and, and virtual currencies? Obviously it took time for Bitcoin to build up its popularity, but receiving it. And if you don't know too much about Bitcoin, I think, it'd be more of a head scratch and be saying, why did you get me this when I know nothing about it? It's going to be one of those weird things for like the average, you know, consumer who are not really invested in, you know, understanding Bitcoin, how it functions and works. So it would be more of a little bit off putting, but I could see like a younger friend say, Oh, this is really cool. You should get into it. But I think it's more looking at the sustainability of Bitcoin compared to the other cryptocurrencies. Cause a lot of things in the tech industry have a, a wave of hype. And then at a certain point when it reaches the crest, it starts to die off and either the app can mellow out and continue its sustainable growth or plateau or just dip and be, you know, gone off into oblivion and no one can ever see it again. So it's really hard to trust on the reliability of, you know, cryptocurrency in today's world. Right. And one thing as well from the article is, is that uh, Bill Gates had said that he didn't really trust uh, the uh, intrinsic value of Bitcoin. And that was probably one of his main reasons of why he eventually shorted uh, Bitcoin after a couple of years, because that's what he said in 2018. But uh, I personally would probably feel the same way. It's Bitcoin is kind of all over the place. And I feel like uh, personally, they're there, you know, there's a lot more uncertainty in Bitcoin than compared to, you know, like stocks and, um, you know the the overall stock market. It's it's interesting. I think it's um. I I don't know how I would feel about it though. Like Bitcoin as a birthday present, that's uh, that, that's an interesting one. I I honestly wouldn't know what to do other than probably short it if if it's not doing well after after you know a couple of years. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Just I feel like it's definitely gonna. I don't think it's gonna pick up more in the future is people getting bitcoins as you know birthday gifts like it'd be ridiculous that a friend gives you a stock for your birthday like that's kind of ridiculous in itself so how i see bitcoins it feels like the flexibility of the stock market where it can have wide fluctuations and it's really people can say yes it's a type of currency but you see the rest of the world's currency kind of like around the one dollar mark it doesn't go up it doesn't go down too drastically unless a country's economy just magically tanks but that's really hard for that to happen if that happens it sort of affects the world globally if that happens but when you look at bitcoin if bitcoin decides to tank one day the rest of the world's really not impacted by it 
So it's like it's more of a my minute thing and like you people can invest in it if they want to but i don't think it's something to put all your chips into and invest like crazy and i think you can experiment with it but don't put too much where you lose a lot of your wealth if something does happen to bitcoin moving on to our our, our second article that i had pulled up um i wanted to talk about a, um, a founder her name is marcia kogor she's the founder of bliss um and with her company she's selling high-end beauty products at prices that are, you know, closer to factory charges. I think it's a, it's a good idea. I'm not sure, uh, you know, how long it'll, it'll last trying to get, you know, it's a tough market. And I feel like with, with this idea, it's, um, it's a small sliver of, you know, the whole pie that she's trying to go after, but I think it's, it's a, it's a, it, like I said earlier, you know, it's an interesting step, um, interesting idea um, that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. I think it's looking at your typical consumer, I want to say, and how much they have in their pocket. Because at this point in time, the economy, the world economy is not strong at this point in time. And if people, people aren't really going out as much, so they're not pretty, making themselves feel pretty. So why am I spending, let's say, as an example, like 90 bucks on perfume when I can get that for like 35 and just, you know, making myself feel nice being at home. But at the same time, a lot of people are not making themselves pretty unless you're going to be on camera for a Zoom meeting. But most people don't turn on their camera sometimes. Others do. And that varies from person to person, but they don't turn on their cameras. They kind of don't need the beauty products. So it's kind of a hard industry to be in at this point in time. but having your products sell at the level of factory levels is kind of impressive in itself, but can you make it on a, a mass scale and be able to produce that at a factory rate so you can keep it at a, a low cost, low cost quantity compared to me going to like Boscals or JCPenney to pick up something that's highly marked up, but there's like a low quantity of it. So I can just keep buying it though. The price is high, but you know, it's a good quality. It's going to be able to sustain itself and it won't run out versus yours is a limited supply of it. And though it's at a factory, you know, cheap level, you don't have that big market exposure to just, you know, put your product out there. And going to our, our, our third article, this is, this one's from overseas uh, over in, in Britain uh, or sorry, in the UK. Uh, this one is talking about uh, three graduate students who had launched their startup during lockdown. Uh, they had gone together and we're, you know, sharing, you know, uh, stories about, uh, you know, business and entrepreneurship. And eventually they, you know, had launched a snacking business uh, similar to uh, what we have here. Um, Trevor, do you remember the name of, uh, it was like a snacking boxing, uh, or like a, a snacking business that's run in the U.S. I, I forget what it's called. Um, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the name off the top of my head either. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it like on, I've seen it advertised for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've seen you know several ads on 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 the similar type of business, but um, but yeah, I guess what what are your thoughts on the? Uh, it's snacking? kind of a unique business model or business strategy. Just packaging snacks is it's a market that people haven't really thought of, but they have. It's like your traditional Grubhub. I can order a meal. And, you know, mm -hmm. pay X amount, like 15, 20 bucks, but like that's one meal. But when you order like snacks, you can get a bunch of that for the same price of ordering one meal. So it's like sort of balances it's, itself out to the point where it's like, if I can get like, you know, 10 or 15 snack items, it's like maybe I don't have to go grocery shopping for one week to let me, you know, skate by in a quick restock versus I have to do like a maybe $150 grocery shopping experience for a single person. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you have families, that you know price will increase in itself. But I kind of like the snack scheme idea. I hope it stays around, but I don't know. Like I go back to everything. It's all about sustainability. If that market can stay there and people are willing to, you know, purchase these snacks like they do for Grubhub and, you know, Topingo and all those other apps, it has the potential to, you know, be around for quite a bit. And I, I think just, uh, you know, give you some more context uh, with their business or uh, with their startup, they're looking more into like healthy branded snacks. Um, 
what are your thoughts on 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 that? Because obviously there's the overall, and then there's you know trying to pick out all the the healthy snacks that are out there and have it all packaged, you know, in in, in one box. I think the healthy snack ideas. I think I want to say a terrific idea to have because every New Year's resolution, and I don't know when this company really got founded and how it's been doing, but I think I want to say came around March of April this year. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone's New Year's resolution is trying to be more healthier and having an app to give you healthier snacks, I think may intrigue people to try it and see, hmm, is this good or not? Versus you going to a grocery store and you purchase it, a big bag of it, and it just sits there in the pantry because you just don't like it. I think it allows people to, you know, take low value in their money, buy some healthy snacks. And if they really like it, they can go to the grocery store and buy the big bag versus you buying the big bag. You're not a fan of that healthy product and it just sits there and being wasted where someone else who could, you know, maybe interested in that big bag, go out and purchase it. So I think having small sample sizes and people just, you know, experimenting is definitely going to be a strong suit for this company in the long run. Well, Trevor, I'll let you go ahead and transition us into our next topic. All right. So our next topic, I want to go into just being a founder of a startup. I know a lot of people have that, you know, I want to, I could say the American dream of owning your own business and just being able to be that founder or CEO and just being out there as an, I don't want to say as a potential leader, but just more of a person in society that can, you know, put their business out there, be on talk shows or podcasts and just put their product out there. But what are some of like our beginning and our stories about getting into entrepreneurship and having that idea of building a business and trying to live that almost American dream of owning something of your own and not and being your own boss? So I want to go to you, Gabe, and what really got you into entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I, I think for me, how I got into entrepreneurship um, really started, you know, when I when I came from America and I uh, I used to live in D.C. Um, when I was living in D.C., there was a lot of my family members had, you know, had their own shops, had set up their own, you know, restaurants. And um, especially in the Ethiopian community, it's um, it was huge having uh, having your own you know business uh, as an Ethiopian. Um, because you you know you, you always knew that you had the community behind you uh which is such a large community in in the DC area um it's it was it, it had i think it had sparked my interest um it maybe wasn't the the sole reason why um as i moved out to ohio for you know my my uh most of my childhood years um i had gotten interested into the overall just creation of business. I started watching uh, Shark Tank, um, as we all, as we all do uh, in our spare time. Um, Shark Tank was really interesting. I started, you know, learning about pitching. Started learning, learning more about business. I, you know, eventually, this, uh, you know, got more interested into the finance world of business, and eventually, that's what I ended up majoring in. Um, and from there. Um, I had, you know, been networking with with some entrepreneurs um, by, you know, the end of my my freshman year. Um, And that's when I think it started to to rise up um, because I realized, you know, entrepreneurship is it's more than just coming out with the company and, you know, you're just trying to make, you know, a lot of money at the end of the day. It's uh, it's it's a two way street of how can I, you know, create value for uh, for other people, while also making money as a bonus. Because I think that that's one important thing that I always try to to tell myself and to tell other young entrepreneurs is yes, the money is great, and there's a lot of news about you know all these billionaires and um, that are making so much money like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the great Steve Jobs, of course. Um, but I, what you have to really look into is the fact that, you know, they created value first um, before they made all, you know, all the big amounts of money. Um, 
and I think once that, you know, clicked in my head, you know, that, that really just sparked my, uh, you know, a, a drive within myself that, Hey, you know, I, I could, you know, I could really do something one, you know, when I'm young, I can take a lot of, a lot of risks, uh, compared to, you know, when I get older and wait until maybe after I have a, you know, a good solid career to eventually, you know, start a business, you know, I said, you know, why don't I, why don't I think about it, meet more people, talk with them, and then eventually see if, if I, you know, if I'm, you know, ready to actually start a business uh, with somebody. And, you know, after, after some talks, you know, through my sophomore year um, and heading into my junior year, uh, it, it really just came, I just confirmed it for myself, really. I, I said, you know what, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to head into it. Um, I had gotten into a, it all started really with a, um, an entrepreneurship weekend. Uh, it's called Launchpad OSU, um, here at OSU. And that was last spring semester, um, right before, uh, COVID had become, you know, a really big thing, but, um, I did really well in that competition with, uh, the group that I was with, uh, we placed, uh, top three which, uh, which got me really excited. I was like, you know, I could really do something here. Um, and then, you know, heading into fall semester, um, myself, a couple of friends and, and their friends had, you know, gone into the, uh, the OSU uh, COVID challenge of, uh, you know, finding ideas that could, um, you know, bring, you know, better health to our students. Um, and so we had gone to the, you know, the category of, or not financial, sorry, uh, <laughs> mental health and, and well-being. Um, and we played second. And again, that was just, you know, the next step. I was like, you know, this is great. You know, what can I do? What's next? Um, and, you know, with with myself and Trevor, we got into uh, a, a startup competition called uh, Boss. Um, from there, that pretty much pretty much was, you know, a, a quick, uh, relatively quick outline of how my entrepreneurship journey has really gotten, uh, really gone up to this point. For me, I think when becoming an entrepreneur, I don't want to say it's always 100% the case. I think it's that vision or dream that you try to achieve. But along the way, you know, you need to make smaller other projects to help you get to that big longing dream that we all love and see today. Because I know Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk had a vision for space, but they didn't go straight into the space industry overnight. You had small other projects to teach you the different ways of becoming that entrepreneur. And then for me, I kind of had a long, big vision. So in my area in Pennsylvania, so those that are curious, I'm from Eastern Pennsylvania, so Lehigh Valley, so the Crayola factories here. But back in the day, you had Bethlehem Steel and Mack trucks used to be here. So it's a big, more like a manufacturing, I guess, I don't want to say juggernaut, but a place where you could get between New York and Philadelphia with ease, and you have freight trains moving steel to those two cities when you're building up the skyscrapers during the 30s and 40s. And then for the World War II, you had, you know, the construction of the U.S. battleships. So Bethlehem Steel helped to contribute in manufacturing those steels for the ships. But as time went on and after Bethlehem Steel collapsed and in the early 90s, it basically left a giant hole in this area and all the manufacturing giants left. It's like almost like unemployment black hole for a little bit but the area was start to revamp itself but some of the train tracks are still here but there's no passenger service from my city to those two major cities and just thinking about the opportunity of having a train that can get to you to those major cities where you don't have to drive and try to find parking in new jersey or trying to park in new york city when that can be a hefty amount and if you get tired in those cities now you have to drive all the way back just imagine you had a train that could just take you to there in 45 minutes or less could get you there. Let's say a train ticket's like, you know, 10 bucks round trip, you know, have to, you know, fight the bus costs, you know, make it relevant. But just having that ability sort of sparked my interest in being able to own my own business and get into entrepreneurship. 
And then as I start to invest and learn about the railroad industry, it's crazy expensive. And I'm like saying, if I really want to be a part of this, I need to make other businesses to be able to support this railroad endeavor. So that's where I started to say, I don't have this much capital now, but let me learn different skills or businesses or different industries to get me in building up a networking following to just give me that chance to be like saying, Hey, I have all the skills I need or the parts to get this thing somewhat started. So I start to venture out into photography as an example. So like getting into photography, you need to know the right angles to take certain pictures, the right filters. Now I can take that photography and convert that into marketing and knowing how to manipulate a picture to sell it. So when I do make that first, you know, train that goes from, you know, Easton to New York City, I can know how to make the right graphic design to sell that train route to make it a lot of, you know, money and get that promotion, get the hype for it. And then you also just have to go into how do you know make video production. So I started getting to YouTube a little bit and just understanding video editing skills, how to, you know, increase an audience and, you know, meet people's demands. So that's sort of what got me understanding a little bit of the different entrepreneurship skills. Though you can go into a different market and to understand it where it's like, not like a monopoly, but like an industry that anyone can do and you can see it. How do you, you know, make yourself compete in that environment? And that's what sort of got me into it. It's like, how do I set myself apart from the top dogs in the industry already and make myself fit in and, you know, rise to the ranks, talk with different people and like, how's my neat niche or niche? I don't know. It's the proper word for it, but I know a lot of people in entrepreneurship understand what I'm talking about. Like your specialty that separates yourself from those top individuals because they can easily mass reduce the things that you want to do overnight. But how do you make your style special where it brings that audience back each and every day or each and every week, depending how much you upload or how much you post and just, you know, stay with you and be loyal to you as you grow up and develop as an organization. So I think those are the key things I started to realize becoming an entrepreneur and I understand that cost may drive some, a lot of your projects in which money does. But I think taking the time and learning the skills that you need to become a startup in the early parts of your stages where you have, you know, you don't have everyone in the wheelhouse, but if you know bits and pieces of it, you'll get very far to the point where it's like, I can't manage this by myself. And then you start bringing in other parts. You may find an intern or someone who's like really invested in it. And you just join them to your team and you just keep expanding and just to that, get to that point where you have enough people to, you know, create the content for you. And all you have to do is just manage it. Or, you know, you can still produce the content with you, still produce ideas and still be the leader of the flagship at the same time. So there's just a lot of different moving parts as being a founder. And just don't be scared about not having the funds to do it. If you're really passionate about it, I think that's what should drive people. If you're passionate in your idea, just go with it and just see where it takes you, even if it fails. Take that as a learning experience and saying, if I decide to make another company, I can take that failure experience and then mold it, transform it to make my next startup even better than the last one. So I'd rather you take that risk and fail. Don't blow like a whole dump, like tons of money in this one project, but just take what you're willing to, you know, put out there that little bit of a risk and just run with it. If it fails, it fails. You learn, you grow as an individual. You don't want to be stagnant. Never took that opportunity because if you don't take that opportunity, you're going to be living with that regret with the rest of your life and saying, what if I did get into podcasting or like, what if I did get into the sports media industry and take that opportunity and just, you know, put myself out there. If you don't take that risk or that opportunity, it's not going to be there. Even if it gets hard and tough, keep pushing through because all you need is that big break and you'll be there in the conversation with maybe even the top dogs, maybe the top dogs reach out to you and like your idea and you work together on a fantastic project. Because if you look at the story of Apple, they have that story in there where they work with Microsoft and they work with Adobe at the early stages of those companies. And look where they're now. They're part of the top dog elite. So like all it takes is just working with that collaboration and you being that founder and having that networking opportunity definitely will put you into that entrepreneurship mindset and being a well, you know, a good founder in the end. Wow. Well said, well said, Trevor. <laughs> I feel uh, like I went on a rant. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. I, I actually was definitely well said. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but, uh, but before I get into that, I think I can relate what you're saying to two quotes that come to my head. And one is 
Uh, Nelson Mandela had, had said this quote. He, he said, I never lose, I either win or learn. Um, and I, that definitely relates to how you were saying it's, you know, starting as, as, a, as a founder, it's, it's all a learning experience. And, and if you end up succeeding, you end up succeeding and you will eventually, you know, you'll learn from that uh, as well. Um, and the second quote that also had come up to my head was, um, I believe I uh, read it uh, in a book. Um, it's by Dina Weinberg. Um, and the quote was, there are no problems, uh, only opportunities for growth. Um, and I, I think that's uh, a very well quote that connects to what you were saying as far as really it's these clinical problems that we're, you know, entrepreneurs are trying to solve is, is just opportunities for us to grow as a, as a society and how we can, you know, better ourselves and, you know, find uh, ways that we can, you know, improve our, our daily, uh, our daily lives really. Um, uh, but, but really just going back to what, you know, the three things you were saying, um, one patiency, uh, two, you know, building a brand and then three, you know, small steps will lead to a bigger goal. Um, I think like you were saying, those three are, are very important to understand as a founder because, you know, success is not going to come, you know, quickly, like you said, overnight, it's going to be, it's going to take years. Um, and, you know, there are some exceptions where they may have done it in a shorter time, but most of, most of, uh, most of us founders, it's, it's definitely going to take um, a couple of years and, and maybe even more. Um, and it's definitely a patience game that we're all, um, uh, learning through and raw understanding um but that's just a part of it uh second building a brand um you gave great examples as far as you know apple and microsoft and uh and amazon um building a brand is definitely important uh definitely definitely should should be on on top of your mind as far as you know how can i how can i make our brand you know appealing to you know your uh, as big of uh of your market that you're trying to tap into as, as possible and, uh, you know, putting yourself in a better position uh, so that you can bring in, you know, either more investors or, or more customers. Um, and then going to uh, the third thing, which was, um, you know, small steps lead to a bigger goal. That's also, you know, a big thing that a lot of people need to understand because when you look at, for example, Elon Musk, Elon Musk did not, you know, he didn't go straight into Tesla. Um, he had gone, um, from, you know, PayPal, um, and, you know, and, and all his other ideas. And then eventually had got into, you know, becoming, you know, the CEO of, of Elon Musk, of, of Tesla, sorry. Um, same thing with, uh, with Bezos, um, and, and, you know, Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak, you know, they had started small, you know, with their, uh, you know, with, with their products and their, their product line. And then eventually over the years had, had, you know, enough projects and enough, you know, products and services coming in to eventually, you know, go for big ideas and go for, for, for big products and, and big uh, services um, to, you know, leading to where they are, they are now. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought these up, Trevor, because I think these are, like you said, these are things that founders and, uh, and as well CEOs need to, to understand, uh, you know, you know, all together, really. And I think I want to add on to, the, to this a little bit. I think when I was listening to one of Jeff Bezos' motivational talks, <laughs> I think it's when you get into running your business, don't take risks that will jeopardize your company. If you do that, you're going to put yourself into really awkward situations that you don't want to put yourself in. Yes, take the opportunity, you know, put yourself out there, take those risks. But as soon as you start betting the company, into that risk, that's when your startup has a more likely chance of failing. And you don't want to do that to yourself. When you put so many grueling hours into building up that startup, and then you're just going to throw it away because you're trying to get this opportunity, make it even more big and successful. There's definitely times where you take you know, risk that are really high stakes, but that risk should not you know, try to detonate your company one way or another so be careful in the risks that you take but definitely take the risks that you feel like you're confident in and then there's some risks that you may not be confident in and there's a definitely a high reward turnout but it's like one of those risks that are like maybe 
30% chance of success rate or, you know, 20% chance success rate. But sometimes you may be interested in take that investment chance, though it may not work out, but you definitely learn something from it and your company's still around. It's not a risk that, you know, you will lose your company over. So definitely look at the risk that you're willing to take. If you know you're going to be 100% successful in that, maybe that's not the risk that you want to take. Maybe you, you want to take a risk that's a 50-50 chance. Or, you know, if you like feel like your chances are better, you may go with a 35-40% chance. So depends how risky you're feeling, how much money you want to invest. So that's really up to you. And no one can really tell you if that's a good decision or not until it's all said and done. So that's really comes down to your gut feelings and what you feel, what the trends are doing and what research have you done and what you've seen in the past few months or a few years and say, hmm, this trend is going to continue. I'm going to take my chance in this industry and see what happens. Who knows? You could be the next, you know, celebrity. People will be talking to you and be like, how were you able to do it? It's like, I took my chances. I looked at the opportunities I were given and I played the cards that I have and it just turned out to be successful. Not every card you get is going to be a successful card, but at the same time, know, you know, the opportunities that you have. Anything else? Any other, um, I guess, yeah, anything else that we should bring up as far as uh, how we became founders? I think it's becoming founders. I think the interesting story about that is it's one of the least expected things you know and the room that you sit in with people. You never know if that person across from you or next to you in any scenario that you're in in life could be your business partner or your best friend or anything you know equivalent to that in life. But I think it's always go to spaces that you're least likely, you know, that fits your personality because all you need to do is just talk about what you're passionate about and it may switch them to be like, Oh, I want to support you. I want to work with you and all that stuff. So the best example for me is when I went to an aerospace conference last year, though I didn't have the aerospace, you know, technical talk to, you know, hold that decent conversation. But I think it was the passionate, just be able to, you know, walk up to people in that industry and say, Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I want to do with my life. Though it's nothing related to space, but here, here's what I'm here for. This is what I'm here to talk about. And I think that what really got people, you know, to latch on to me and that heat of the moment, I think it was just the energy, the spirit that you have in some spaces. And I think that's what most founders end up having. It's that gravitational pull that they have to others, that excitement, that charisma, that fire that just brings people together. And I think when Gabe, you know, pitch this idea with Mavera and uh, business builders, not business builders, but um, black entrepreneurs of the world. I think it was just that notions like I had this idea. I wanted to, you know, see uh, entrepreneurship club to be founded. That was for minorities and giving them the opportunity and Gabe pitched it out there. I'm like, say, that's the person I want to work with. Let me reach out. And though he was speaking and things were happening, I privately messaged him in chat be like, hey, I support you, Gabe. If you need any help, you know, just reach out to me and, and voila. And that's how, you know, Mavera and Black Entrepreneurships of the World got founded. So as soon as you see something that resonates with you, reach out and take that opportunity. Like I said earlier, taking that opportunity, even though you don't know this person, as time progresses, you're going to reach out, you're going to talk, you're going to understand each other, why you want to get this thing going. And most of your goals may be similar. Some things may be different, but on how you know you say it, but it still resonates with each other and you continue to work with each other to achieve that end goal. For like example, Mavera, having that financial literacy or just helping people understand with money, there's still a common goal being shared between the two people. And that's what drives both members for me and Gabe as an example. It's just that, you know, things that you resonate with will get you to places and positions that you never thought were even possible. So definitely talk to people. If you see someone quiet in a corner, I guarantee you that person has a fantastic idea, but they are shy to put it out there because they don't know how the world's going to receive it. So just reach out and just talk to people. Even if they're, I know it's more of like that extra extroverted drive, but even if you're quiet in yourself and you see another quiet person, I guarantee you they have an intelligent conversation 
and you'll be mind blown of what advice and ideas that they have. So just take an opportunity to just reach out. And there's the worst that they can say is just no. That's basically it's it's no and then move on or they leave you on red. That's basically all it is at this point in the world. So take that opportunity and don't let that stop you. Take I have a friend who literally took all of his rejection letters and put in an album on his phone to remind him where he has come and where he can potentially go because he's taking his opportunities because that rejection will lead you to another opportunity. That's how I see rejections. I couldn't have agreed more, Trevor. Attending events and networking. I I also cannot stress that enough for for anybody who's who's listening to this. You need to network like crazy because any opportunity is an opportunity for you that could be the next step. It could be your one way ticket to success. It, you know, you have to take every opportunity, like Trevor said, and networking. Um, I mean, I, I started networking, what, last year? And I've just been networking like crazy. Like, if I'm not doing anything else, if I literally have nothing to do during the day, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm trying to network like crazy. I'm trying to talk talk to people. I'm trying to make connections. I'm trying to, you know, build friendships, trying to build relationships with people. And, and that's very important because... You know, as I'm, you know, as me and Trevor are here talking to each other on this podcast, you know, I've I've, I've had conversations with people, uh, you know, not even just in the U.S., but you know, overseas, uh, you know, up in Canada, you know, South America. I mean, any like I said, any opportunity can come up if you just take that step, that you know, that first step, and just talking to people. Um, and it doesn't even have to be just LinkedIn. Like I said, you know, you just, as long as you're attending events, you know, in, in uh, you know, any, any event really that's in your, uh, within your interests, because, you know, like Trevor said, that one friend or, you know, that one person that you run into could literally change both, you know, both of your lives really. So, you know, I, I can't agree with Trevor, uh, enough on, on, on what he just said. Yeah, it's definitely character development and at its finest, like, I know a lot of people love Hulu, Netflix, and, you are attached to characters that have great character development. Just put that, put yourself into that scenario. It's like, how can I be the best character in my own story arc and get to the point where I'm like really satisfied with the ending or the potential next season? Cause you know, we have a, you know, a calendar year, 12 months and it's one chapter of your life. And as you get older, it's a new rendition of the book or the new chapter that comes out the next season that you're really excited the hype, the, all the possibilities are endless in this story arc for how many years that you're on this planet. And if your life is cut short, make sure you live it to the fullest. But if you have a long longevity life and you reach up to your, you know, a hundredth birthday, you have a hundred chapters of your life put together and people are going to look back on it and be like, you know, Trevor's did the most what he could in his a hundred years. And no one could take that away from it. He lived to the, best of his ability and and like i said with gabe meeting people along your journey will define or i don't want to say define who you are but help you build certain character traits to help you either achieve your goals in life it may put you back or put you on a different path but make sure you're trying to find a way to get back on that path where you want to achieve and i think that's very important when you look at you may get sidetracked and look at the pretty flowers but make sure you veer back on the goal path that you want to get. Though the beaten path may look pretty, sometimes you may have to go off and forge that beaten path if the current you know, business model or different strategies aren't working for you. That's what some of the entrepreneurships are, are doing. They have to trail their own path to be able to be successful. Though in the early stages, you want to see what the current competition is doing. Once you figure that out, and you see the gaps and flaws, that's where you exploit. And that's where you have your big moments, your big ideas and taking that risk and opportunity. Once you see that, that's when you start blazing your own path. And then that's how you either catch up with the top dogs or get yourself close in conversation. And they don't know how to adjust to it because they're so rigid and structured because they've been doing it for, you know, 30 plus years. And that's what the their hires have been saying. We've been doing it for this long. That's why we haven't changed. And now you have your young mind and the different possibilities and no one can stop you because your structure is way different from theirs. And if they try to change their structure, it may cost them millions or even billions of dollars 
to make that change. Since your company is more flexible than them, the sky's the limit in your possibilities until you become big and large yourself. Literally, you can literally do anything you want and no one can stop you. Right. And I think I'm trying to remember if I saw it in a movie or saw it, you know, read it in a book or somewhere. But I remember this, you know, this quote just popped up in my head where it's the more time, you know, the more time you waste, the less money that you're earning, you know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, really, because you can always waste money or waste time, sorry, you know, down the road after retirement, you know, when you're old enough, that's when you can just chillax, you know, do whatever you want, you know, sipping mojitos on the beach, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you can, you can do all that later down the road. Like, yes, I know for a lot of young people, it's, especially like in social media and stuff, it's, we're all, we're all, you know, I guess envious or we're all jealous of the fact that, you know, there are other people are, doing all of, you know, all this cool stuff, you know, while they're young, you know, whether it's going on trips, whether it's doing, you know, I don't know, cool adventures or whatever, or buying, you know, really, you know, expensive clothing, you know, nice cars and all that. It's all delayed gratification because honestly, it'll all add up, you know, in, in the end, really. It's, I wouldn't say delayed as far as, you know, some people would think, you know, waiting until your 40s and 50s, because I, I know some people, uh, honestly, a lot of people, they, you know, wouldn't like doing that. Some people do. I totally understand that. But honestly, delayed gratification up until, you know, near the end of your 20s, really, and sometimes, you know, your early 30s, uh, and sometimes even more, honestly, pushing on to the 40s, because I know with, with some, uh, some of these founders, I believe, you know, just Jeff Bezos, you know, he had started off with Amazon, you know, I believe in his thirties, uh, like early thirties and, you know, look where he's at now. So it's, again, it's, it's unique for everybody. And, you know, we all need to understand that, you know, we are all not going to have, you know, the same, the same journey and, you know, the same pathway. But as I realized, you know, on, as I described earlier in my, in my journey, I was spending a lot of time or wasting a lot of time, I should say, um, doing things that were to my benefit, whether it was like reading books or, you know, whatever, watching documentaries or whatever. It was all just, you know, throwing time away. And I didn't understand how, you know, important time was and how precious time is, uh, you know, up until now, once I've, you know, you know, matured enough to really understand that. And, I, you know, that'll come for everybody. It's, it isn't something that you'll learn. It's something that you'll, you know, experience and learn. You know, you can't have one without the other, really, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but once you realize that and you start, you know, managing your time properly, you can achieve so much more. And you realize, you know, how much time you're actually, like, wasting during the day by not, you know, organizing your time and using it efficiently. Uh, because like I said, I mean, you're, once you realize that and you're actually organizing it to your benefit, you can achieve so much more and, and, you know, you won't be wasting as much potential money that you could be earning um, by not, you know, wasting uh, as much time as, as you, uh, as you were really. I, I would say if people who are listening around the age of 20 are coming up to it, take your 20s has the time to experiment because I know a lot of people when they get up to their 30s they wish they would have done other things and I think it's definitely you've learned more about yourself in your 20s than I want to say at any other point in your life you're young you're you're still learning you just finished some of you may finish your college degrees or some are thinking about masters, you're still learning and that willing to learn extra things. So it's definitely, it's time to pick up a good skill that you want to work on to hone in, to help you with your startup, you know, endeavors. I understand you can start up your business later down in life, but if you want to work on some good basic skills, 20s are a perfect time. There's low responsibilities that you have. And as you get older, you will occur more responsibilities and be harder to work on other side projects 
and improve yourself as an individual. By the time you reach 30, you may be, you know, looking to be in a relationship with somebody and trying to settle down and start a family. But I think if you look at your 20s, you got a solid 10 years to invest in yourself before you have a, a good solid knowledge into, you know, trying to get a startup. You maybe had a couple failed startups in the past, but you already have taken that knowledge. And now you can apply it to that dream startup, the one that would be, you know, the successful one, the one that you're going to be the most proud of. And when people look at your biography, that's the one they're going to be talking about. And that's the one that's going to define your life, your, your dream, your career. And the ones that people look in the history books and be like, that person, yes, they had a humble beginning, but they took their 20s as the time to explore about themselves, to figure out what you want to do with your life. And I guarantee you, if you ask any college student, they will probably tell you they don't know what to do with their life yet. Then yes, you have four years to try to pick a major and try to figure out, oh, this is what I want to do. But there's some college students who never got an internship opportunity and they don't know what industry is like. And they get that first job and they'd be like, I hate it. I don't want to do this industry anymore. And now their college degree is kind of, you know, somewhat you know, next to nothing since that industry didn't work out for them and kind of puts them in a weird, awkward situation. But that's where the 20s come in, you know, perfectly. You can take that time to experiment with your life and pick up different soft skills, other hard skills to make yourself a, you know, a spe like I want to say a purple squirrel, as one of my aviation professors said. But once you make yourself that purple squirrel and have all those different skills, you can literally apply any job that you want. And you could probably, once you get that interview opportunity, you can talk anything because you have those soft skills to put you in that best position for that job. And you don't need that college degree. You can have that, that background of working in different parts of different jobs to build up to that point where you want to get that either that dream job, that dream startup, or that dream partner that you always wanted to help your startup. So I think that's why I say the 20s are the most crucial time of anyone's life. Yeah, and just to add on as well, I think uh, for me, I would say the same thing, but probably that window would probably be, I don't want to call it a window, um, mm -hmm. but really that, that time period is probably starting off in your, in your high school years to, you know, like Trevor said, in your, in your thirties, um, sometimes maybe pushing on to your mid to late thirties. But, um, cause I know, you know, for a lot of high school students starting off, that's really, you know, the time, like you said, where they're learning more about, you know, themselves and they're trying out different things in high school. Um, and then, you know, once they reach college, it's just taking, you know, the next steps as far as learning even more about themselves and, you know, what they really want to do. Um, Cause I think high school's the, the, you know, the perfect time to, to learn about yourself. Um, and then that way, you know, once you head into college, you just, take on you just take what you've you know learned about yourself and uh you know explore even more because that's where you know even more opportunities will will open up yeah uh, it's very valid because like it's really hard like i guess it's more of my personality like i put like a time window so i didn't know it's like there's somewhat an end in sight or like there's milestones to hit that's why i said like your 20s it's like a solid decade you can do a lot in a decade but like gabe said you can start literally at any point in your life to really start honing it in. But it's more of that freshman year of high school or middle school, like eighth grade, you start to realize what you want to do. But at the same time, it's not exactly what you want to do. And you right. start growing up and developing, you start take certain, you know, high school classes, be like, Oh, I want to be an artist. So you start taking, you know, art classes. But now let's say you don't like it anymore. You still have those art skills. And no one can take that away from you. So like, if you ever want to design a logo, you have your art skills in that art skills background. And then, you know, in college, you may take a designing class and understanding the whole design process. Now you can add that to your art skills. And now you can start slowly start, you know, developing your foundation for your startup company. And that's where you start seeing some college students start to make their startup businesses. So it's, it's more of like almost like a play on itself as you start to grow and develop in life. And by the time I want to say, you know, maybe 30, your early 30s, mid 30s, you may have like two or three startup business ideas that you probably have or try to pursue that didn't work out or in the midst of being, you know, still being fleshed out. And there's no bad time to start them. It's just depending how much you're going to invest in them. Anyone can have an idea, 
and they say they want to do it and they say they start it, but they walk away from it. And that's where some fail. But if you're really passionate about it, it can drive you to the next part and make that that idea be written down on paper and that paper idea become a reality. And I think it's one of those, you know, step by step processes to get to that point where it's a living. I don't want to say living, breathing thing, but like the metaphorically of that paper draw and becoming a living, breathing thing. Well said, well said, Trevor. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a great conversation. I couldn't agree more with it. It was a good topic. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I think this was a great topic to at least have, you know, as a, a second episode, really, because I think this is definitely the most crucial part of becoming a founder and, you know, to, to any business and really any idea out there is the first step. Because even like I said, you know, once the ball gets rolling, it gets rolling. So I'm glad that we slow, but it gets rolling. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Maybe slow, but it gets rolling. But I'm glad we we talked about this today. All right. I want to, you know, thank of our supporters, our listeners, you know, who tune in. Second episode is definitely a fun episode. It opens up, you know, the cast and crew a little bit more. And you see where their visions and ideas are want to go ahead it. And some of it, some of it may resonate with you. Some of it may not, but you know, take the stuff that resonates with you and try to apply it to your own life. And then even, even if it's in the smallest fashion, I think it will help you as an individual help it to help you as you grow. I want to thank Gabe for coming on. You know, this has been a fun podcast and I hope, you know, we continue it, continue to grow. And there's a, definitely a lot more room to improve and grow with this thing. A lot of different people can be brought on, a lot of different backgrounds. And that's the beauty of this podcast. It gives people that opportunity to come on. And Gabe, do you have any final thoughts on this fantastic podcast episode? I couldn't agree with you more, Trevor. I think this was uh, an, another great episode to, you know, the beginning of, of you know, of this awesome, awesome podcast that, you know, I can't wait to do more episodes with, uh, with you. Um, I just want to end this this episode with uh, with my quote of the week. Um, it's a it's a quote by Carmen Gallo. Uh, he was doing a presentation uh, at Stanford talking about his uh, his book, The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs, and he had said, uh, "To see genius in your craziness, believe in yourself, and believe in your ideas. Deliver and communicate ideas with confidence, clarity, and passion." because it's those ideas that are going to change the world. That will do it here for us on this second episode of the podcast. Stay safe, everyone, during the holiday season and hope you know you get the gifts that you want or see the people that you're able to see through Zoom or if you're able to be living with them. You know, more power to you. Obviously, stay socially distanced and wear your mask and enjoy your holiday season, everybody. Take care. <laughs>